So the final project I'm going to show you is about the sort of synthesis of the sort of urban design scale of a really large new project and the sort of manifestation of the architecture at the end of it. So we won a competition about four and a half years ago to design a special needs school and a secondary school together on one site in Guildford. And we went to the existing school, Pond Meadow School, which is a special needs school where um, you have a huge amount of, of interface between real micro-scale issues of, 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 of helping people to have uh, a wonderful learning environment whilst they have these special needs. So this is a classroom at Pond Meadow as it existed where you get information, learning and technology uh, for lifting and carrying and moving all in one environment. And then the other school was Christ College uh, school which is the secondary school and this is probably familiar to lots of you who talked about your 60s uh, secondary schools it was one of these pavilion designed um, schools and that literally had so many points of entry we kind of gave up counting because this was the front door and none of the students used it they weren't asked to use it uh, but this was just for visitors and as you could see nobody could enter it anyway uh, with ease and it was set in a very suburban context these are the local uh, brick buildings nearby. And this was the approach. It, the site was of the existing Christ College School on your left, and then uh, huge amounts of open fields and play space. And we were asked to put the two schools on this site, leaving Christ College running, which is something you'll be familiar with, this phased development of sites. So you have to let the secondary school run whilst you build a new secondary school. Um, and we found this absolutely beautiful setting, kind of meadows, what could be better, pond meadow school in a location that had literally had, had meadows. But we had a lot of, um, a lot of uh, accommodation to put on this site, and this, this plan shows you the overall um, location of the, uh, our site was uh, here, and this was the existing school. Um, what we noticed when we went here was, again, going out to 35,000 feet and asking what the infrastructure was here, is we had the, the main rail line r running uh, to one side of the site, coupled with a whole series of pylons. We had the cemetery, and further over, this is a, a social, this is housing estates from the interwar years, uh, a bit of park up here, and then you have uh, industry etc over here and what we discovered was there's an absolute wealth of green space in this area in North Guildford but it's all entirely cut off from the the people immediately around our green uh, around our school that's where the red question mark is you have this whole area of Guildford is segregated from the wealthy your preconceptions of Guildford you know it's a sort of heart of Surrey it's cut off by railways pylons uh, sewage works cemeteries and rivers and the A3. So it's really hard for these people to move around. And what we discovered um, was that originally the site had been the location of a big sort of country house and it had been sold off in parcels. And in fact, that beautiful landscape was the remnants of an of a, of a 18th and 19th century landscaped park. So it had a really fantastic heritage that we could build on. But what we noticed most particularly, uh, this came from videoing the site, was we kept noticing people walking uh, along this track. And you can just see that there was a hole in the fence on one side and a hole in the fence on the other. And basically, the, all of the people living in this estate here were completely landlocked and 
in order for them to travel to their uh, local primary school, their shops, all of their kind of main sort of everyday facilities, they would, in urban design terms, have been asked to walk on this rather large loop around our site. And what had happened is people had gone to the trouble to make a penetration through the fence to allow them to get to where they needed to go quickly. So you can imagine the joy our client had when having commissioned a really inexperienced uh, young architectural practice to design two schools for the value of about £33 million. The first thing we said was actually what we want to do on your site is put a road across it and let the people come through. Well, you've got to remember this is an education authority which has been inculcated with this culture of security, security, security and you just don't let people onto your site. So we absolutely wouldn't let go of this idea that you had to allow people through the site because we knew if we didn't let people through they would jolly well get the wire cutters out again and make their way through the site. And we understood the existing school which was down here which had a really, 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 really poor uh, attendance and academic performance level was partly due to the fact that a lot of the children who went to it in that estate had been treated really badly by that school through all of their kind of infant and junior years. They had had to sneak through the grounds in an illegitimate way and they weren't given any kind of dignity in terms of their everyday life so the school was hardly going to give, you know, engender a sort of respect. But anyway, we came to a conclusion that we would place the secondary school here and the special needs school here and that we'd create a sort of civic space, uh, a civic public space at the front of those two schools so they could share, they could share a kind of identity together and provide a heart to this area that had originally been represented by that country house. So there, was a, uh, there were two buildings that sort of suited the landscape with these grand trees. But we also got the benefit of through making a roadway uh, of placing all of the car parking to the rear of the site here so that you're not dominated by cars when you enter that school. So it's really, you know, cars are the least important thing on the minds of children when they're entering school, and they all enter through the front door off that main public space. So we achieved our ambitions of what we called guerrilla urbanism, and we did achieve planning, and we did get it built. Uh, and we made this wonderful uh, road that kind of divides and unites at the same time and, and really does create a sense of connection. It's now part of... Uh, Surrey's green cycle pathways it's on a sort of green route and it's really well and truly integrated that area and um, it's proved really really fantastic even though it's only just been finished it's, it's busy all the time with people using it so just to touch on the buildings themselves this is the secondary school a really efficient dense school complete antithesis of the 60s model of all over the place uh, pavilions and that was really led by cost um, uh, well, by educational ethos in the first place, because the head teacher wanted all children and staff to enter the school through one door. Uh, they want, he wanted one identity, and we wanted to make it from brick, because we thought, Surrey, it's all about brick. And also, brick is such an underutilised material, and it really is fantastic. So both of the buildings are made from the same brick. And it's a large carved mass. It, it minimises the surface area. Because you're gathering up, scooping up all of the accommodation and building it dense, it actually means you have a smaller external area to your building, so you lose heat less quickly uh, during the winter. 
And also it means you have a smaller external area, therefore you have a higher budget per square metre, so you can afford nice brick. So it was a strategic um, design decision. When you go in through that entranceway, you enter one big central learning, uh, it's called the learning centre at the heart of the school, from which all of the classrooms uh, and different faculties are accessible. This space doubles as a dining hall with peas and a computer area, a learning area. It's always busy during the day. You can have assemblies there, etc. Uh, children can look across. The behaviour has radically changed in the school since they uh, moved in. There is sequence up through the building of different courtyards. So it might look big, bold and solid from the outside, but it really breaks down in scale as you go through it. And it has its network of smaller spaces, like John was talking about, these kind of pod areas and these smaller learning spaces, as well as having these larger spaces. And most importantly for us, in the journey through this school, we precisely located windows so that as you went up and down these schools, uh, during the school spaces during the day, you looked out at the other schools, at the local landmarks, the cathedral in the distance, and it really sort of knitted back into its context. And the craftsmanship's been quite extraordinary that uh, has been achieved by contractors using design build, so it's a testament that there is another way from BSF. You do not have to go down that route. And then very quickly, this is the special needs school. It's absolutely vast. It takes over five minutes to walk from one end to the other. It's for only 93 children. Uh, each class has under seven children in each class. But it's organised with an upper school for the teenagers nearer to the secondary school. The centre of the school is the community area with hydrotherapy pools, halls, and then the lower school at the other end there uh, is for the from the infants. We've got children in the school here from age 2 to 19, so it's a journey through um, their life from being very, very young right the way through to adulthood in one building. So we wanted every room to be different and for them to connect to this wonderful nature. You can see the beautiful trees there. This is the infants area with its big canopy uh, looking across the pond and to the, to the meadow area. Generous public areas very simply animated through the form of the roof. And then we worked finally with an artist to get that micro detail again and he worked with these privacy screens at low level we had large windows but we wanted privacy for the children where they're working uh, and uh, Martin Richmond who you might know worked with us on this project uh, we've got lots of natural daylights um, and as you can see the technology this is a hoist system that you're looking at here it completely blends in with the architecture and, and the kind of medicalised environment for learning is, is completely subsumed into just a wonderful space to be in a uh, nice place to swim. You can swim and look out of the window at the same time, which is a nice privilege. Uh, and at night as well, again, going right way back to Berry, we still have our external play areas uh, so the children can play in the winter. And then finally, uh, as you approach the building at different times of day, this uh, reflective film that Martin Richmond worked with us on creates this animation at low level. Again, a kind of changing delight at a children's scale. But the last thing I'd like to say is for us, the most important journey when we do any urban design, any school design, is a child's journey to school because if you don't get that right you can't expect uh, much to go well in the future. Thanks.